Friday, March 18th. Welcome to the Just Baseball Stove Baseball Show. I was gonna say the Just Baseball Stove because the hot stove <laughs> continues to run rampant. Look at that spin zone, messing up my own grammar and then going straight into it. What's up, Aram? We're about to talk Freddie Freeman. We're about to talk Chris Bryant, but there's a lot of small moves that we gotta cover. And then of course we're gonna continue to speculate on Carlos Correa and Trevor Story because it's fun and we still have no idea where they're going because they remain unsigned. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, I got to deal with Marlins Twitter, uh, just losing their collective minds because the Marlins haven't done anything yet. But uh, I feel worse for Craig Mish uh, because they're just hounding him like he can make the deals happen. Other than that, uh, good, dude. I'm, I'm excited for some of these final shoes to drop. Uh, now we got a little bit more rumor sprinkled in there as well with Cedric Mullins, potentially the Orioles are listening again. I don't think it's going to happen, but you never know. Um, I think, you know, Brian Reynolds looks like it's trending backwards in terms of them trading him. I think it makes way more sense for the Orioles to trade Mullins. So uh, that'd be a fun little deal too, potentially. Let's talk about the Orioles as a whole, because interestingly enough, they are in on Carlos Correa. So we will talk actually. So we will talk about the Orioles a little bit later in the pod when we talk about Carlos Correa, because I got to tell you what the Orioles have been up to. So let's just start straight away. We're going to go over a lot of the smaller moves, then of course, break into the bigger ones, but small moves are still good moves. And I think a really good move off the bat that happened this morning while we're recording on Thursday, of course, releasing on Friday. So Thursday morning, Matt Boyd signed with the San Francisco giants to a $5.2 million deal. I like it. Matt Boyd, another just arm who's eat innings his entire career. He goes to the San Francisco Giants. The Giants have been doing this, just picking up low-key type arms that they're going to plug straight into the rotation and get the most out of. I actually, this is a guy who I know he has a career 4.96 ERA, but he's coming off a really strong season where he pitched to a 3.89 ERA over 15 starts. Doesn't it feel like arm if Matt Boyd had signed with the Colorado Rockies, for example, or the Arizona Dimebacks or another team like that. I don't know if you love the move, but him to the Giants feels right. Of course, of course, right? I mean, he's coming off one of his better years. The Giants see something they like. And honestly, though, he's had some stretches where where he was pretty darn good, especially you look at 2019 where, uh, you know, the ERA isn't sparkling at 4.56, but Struck out a lot of dudes. I think it was something along almost 11.6 Ks per nine innings. He never walks a lot of guys. And as we know with the Giants, they don't need guys going seven innings, eight innings. They need five inning quality start, six inning quality start maximum, and their bullpen will take it from there. Uh, You know, we saw it with Alex Wood. They got more out of him. Uh, I I really think that he's just going to be another solid depth arm there. And uh, he's a high floor guy, in my opinion, because you kind of know at the worst you're getting a high four ZRA. I, I know in the short in 2020 season he struggled, but but I'm expecting him to be just a solid arm for them. And again, that they, they they know what they're looking for. So he seems to just kind of fit the bill. The Giants have picked up three arms this offseason. Carlos Rodon, two years, 44 million, Alex Cobb to a two-year deal, and now Matt Boyd to a one-year deal. I love every single move that Farhan Zaidi makes. He is a genius and I believe in it. I just believe in the Giants and I think they're going to be better than the Padres this year. And I know the Dodgers added Freddie Freeman and we're of course going to talk about that. And I 109 wins is not likely, but I still think this team is a lock to finish over 90. When you and I were speaking a little bit earlier, probably three or four weeks ago before the flurry of free agency happened, before they got Rodon, before now they got Matt Boyd. Those aren't sparkling moves, but are you confident in the Giants' ability to win 90 games next year, or are you still a little bit lower on them? You know, it's funny. I, I think I think with the vulnerability of the Padres, there's there's a little bit more room there. 
you know, part of the reason why I thought they would be a bit of a downer, or at least take a step back from last year is I thought, you know, I think the Padres were going to take that step forward. I, I haven't really loved anything the Padres have done. And unfortunately now Tatis is out for the first three months of the season. So now I think the giants kind of see that and, you know, there's an opportunity for them to, to right now again, just nestle their way in as that number two team. I, I still think that they have some ground to make up. I think Alex Cobb is going to have to be that Alex Cobb from last year. Uh, and we're going to have to see a lot of those offensive pieces, you know, do better than they were last year. If Mike Yaskramski has got to be more like 2020 Mike Yaskramski, not last year. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Right. I, I, I definitely think that there's a good shot and the Padres are leaving it open now a little bit. I'm very curious to see what they do. I know we talked about it on the last episode, like we might be seeing Preller waiting to strike. So if, if they don't strike, yeah, I'm with you. I think I could walk it back and say the giants might be closer to 90, but if, if the Padres make some good moves and convince us that, they want to be that number two team, which I know they do. Uh, I still think Giants number three. So it's going to be interesting to see how this offseason plays out. And the Giants lose Alex Dickerson, but then add Jock Peterson. So they also mm-hmm. sign Jock Peterson as well. They're just smart. They're savvy. And I think they're going to be right in the thick of it when it comes sure. to playoff time again. And it'll just be interesting. Are they, in fact, better than the Padres? I'm still in the boat where the Padres have to prove it while the Giants have. So let's just move on to our next deal. Um Daniel Norris is a Chicago Cub. That's something. That happened. That happened. Another thing that happened, Archie Bradley is an angel. That happened. He's a good bullpen arm, though. At times, he can be. Well, what I like about the Bradley pickup is this. He's not pitching the eighth inning for them. He's not even pitching the seventh. No, no. Uh, Ryan Tapera now added in there, which I know you were going to get to next, but that's a guy that's going to be pitching like later in the ball games. And he's not even closing out ball games for them. Like they have a really good bullpen and that's what the angels needed to do. It's so hard to just build a rotation through free agency. You just can't do it. And we know that they didn't have the prospects. Really the trade market is brutal. If you're going to try to trade for a pitcher and they don't have the prospects for that either. So for them, I think they, they went and got a couple arms, which we know who they went out and got, they got Syndergaard, they got some other dudes. It's going to help them a little bit. But now with that bullpen, you're shortening the starts. Another team that may only need five innings from their guys, right? Reed Detmers doesn't need to go six or seven. He can give you five innings of three runs. You could have one of the best offenses of baseball and a bullpen now that can really take over from the sixth inning on. This could be one of the best bullpens in baseball, which is ironic because they've been atrocious. But talent wise, I mean, Peter, this is a freaking good bullpen on paper. Iglesias, who's a top five bullpen arm. Aaron Loop had an ERA near 1.0 last year. Um, Archie Bradley, fine bullpen arm, has been really good in some years, not in others, but he's only going to be relied on a sixth inning, kind of a filler role, just one of the bullpen guys. And then the big signing, a two-year $14 million deal for Ryan Tapera, formerly with the White Sox, had a great year last year, really came into his own, even though he's 34, 35 years old already. But he's a really solid back-end guy, probably going to slot into the eighth inning role. And two years, $14 million, great value. Are you finally buying the Angels? Are you willing to jump on board with me? Because I continue and continue to hype up this Angels. Angels team. They are so loaded across the board when it comes to offense. The starting pitching, you mentioned it. Reed Detmers is the five. What about Noah Syndergaard? What about Jose Suarez? What about Patrick Sandoval? And then, of course, Shohei Otani. If this team can stay healthy, they are covered from the backup catcher all the way to the eighth bullpen arm. They have, like you said, they could have one of the best bullpens. Their starting pitching looks a lot better. They could have one of the best offenses, and they have one of the best managers in the entire sport if this isn't the angels ear then when is it no it'll never happen if it doesn't it'll happen, never happen. Year, it's, it's never happening uh I, and i also think a big x factor for them is is michael lorenzen you know mm-hmm. they bought they bought low on lorenzen off a down year but remember lorenzen was pitching in a very unfriendly environment uh in cincinnati the expected stats point towards him being a bit unlucky you look at the fip you look at the expected era those things point towards better days ahead. And, you know, we, we take that with a grain of salt. But when a guy was really good in 2018, really good in 2019, good in 2020, and then bad in 2021, and all of the expected stats point towards him being a little bit better than the performance, I think that's a guy who earned, deserves the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. 
I think he could be a really big X factor for them, making starts, middle relief, doing a little bit of everything. And we've seen him in all these different roles and he wants to swing it a little bit too. So it can be Otani 2.0, I guess. I don't know if they're going to let him swing it, but they need him as a pitcher. And uh, I think that's a really underrated acquisition as well, because it happened early in the year also, or in the off season, I should say. The thing is, they're definitely going to let him swing it. You know why? He signed with the Angels because they were the team that said he could swing it. That's the reason he wanted to go to LA. It's a weird stipulation. It's, it's a weird stipulation, but he can do it. That's how much of an athletic freak he is. I mean, go look at his Instagram. I mean, he's he posts videos and pictures of himself in the gym. He is a freak yeah, no, of he's nature. Not. He's got muscles on his muscles on his muscles. I think he's growing another muscle in his brain on top of it. Like he is jacked. That's huge. I mean, that's huge. He wants to do it all. And I think that's going to translate on the mound too. I think they want to stretch him out more. They want to use him as a starter. So being in good shape on that end of things is going to help too. Uh, Also don't sleep on, I just have to give a special shout out when we're talking about the angels, a friend of the show, friend of just baseball, Anthony Mulrine. Congratulations to him. He was just on the call up recently and uh, congratulations to him getting a non-roster invite to big league spring training. So he's been out there uh, kind of vying for that third catcher spot. Between him right now, Chad Wallach and Austin Romine and uh, Moron Austin or Anthony Moron is one of the best defensive catchers I think in the minor leagues. Uh, but another reason, if he if he cracks the ball club or the second he gets called up, I'm all aboard the Angels train because that's an awesome dude and he works hard. Awesome story. Uh, but just from top to bottom here, man. I mean, we know the lineup is incredible, and with Rendon being healthy. I'm so excited to see what he's going to do. If he struggles, it'll be upsetting, obviously. But Mm -hmm. I mean, Rendon's Anthony Rendon. He's 31 years old. He'll be 32 probably by the time the season comes around. There's a lot of guys that can kind of explode, right? I mean, Brandon Marsh, you know how I feel about him as a prospect. You liked what you saw from him in the debut. He started to come alive at the end of the year. Joe Adele, if he puts it together, I mean, this could be a team that clicks on all cylinders, but there are a lot of ifs, ifs, and ifs. So, I mean, it could go any way, but... It could go really damn well for them. And that's there's no doubt in that. If they stay healthy, this is one of the best teams in the sport. Mm-hmm. But that is the question. If they stay healthy, Jonathan VR signed with the Chicago Cubs one year, six million dollar deals, six million dollar deal. He is departing from the New York Mets. Hit 18 home runs last year. He stole 14 bags, finished he's with good. a 107 WRC plus. He was pretty good. It's a good pickup for the Cubs. I Absolutely. mean, he's not, he's not, he's not the sexiest addition in the world, but the Cubs are putting their team together. And I like the signing. I think he can do a lot. And for one year, six million, I think it's a pretty solid deal for the Cubs. 100 percent And the terminology, like the, the phrase you just said there was exactly what kind of came into my head when I was thinking about it. I'm like, the Cubs are piecing it together. Cause we were saying when we did the GM episode, what does this look like? What what is the Cubs being good look like? You can't just throw money at a bunch of dudes and build a good team. We think they might get Correa. Say a Suzuki was a big splash too. Those are some good pieces, but you got to fill in the Jonathan VR types as well. And I think VR is going to get a lot of run. I think he's going to get 500, 550 plate appearances because we saw him turn down more money for the Toronto Blue Jays who were not going to promise him. Uh, a starting job or, or even as much playing time as he wanted. So I have a feeling that he took this Chicago opportunity because they probably promised him a lot more playing time. It's going to be interesting to see how, how he fits in here, but I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity to give him opportunity between the outfield, uh, between the infield. There's a few guys that we talked about as question marks like Rafael Ortega. We'll see how Clint Frazier is. We'll see how even Nick Madrigal is and Andrelton Simmons. And uh, one of those guys is going to struggle and God forbid one of them's going to get hurt. It's just the nature of it, right? Every team deals with injuries and VR is going to end up getting a lot of, a lot of run here. And you, you mentioned the numbers. He was good last year for the Mets. I, I think he could be a pretty solid piece for them. So you just said Carlos Cray is still possibly to the Cubs and he's the team that both of us predicted he's going to. We're going to talk about Correa later, but I just don't know if the Cubs are the likely destination for Correa anymore. Look at how many infielders they have now. Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal. I know Nico Horner can play center field, but as of right now, he's slotted as the starting shortstop. They signed in Jordan Simmons. They signed Jonathan VR. They have Frank Schwindel. They have Patrick Wisdom. Like they have so many middle infielders and just infielders in general. I kind of find it hard to believe that they're now going to give Correa 300 or $350 million 
because they're just signing all of these middle infielders. Like I remember they, they were still in on Carlos Correa, even after the Andrelton Simmons signing. Now they sign another infield depth piece in Jonathan VR when they already have this incredible amount of infielders. I just don't see it for the Cubs anymore. I really don't. Yeah. You know, I wonder, I wonder, cause I, we could also see them turn around and just say, Hey, uh, we're going to trade, we're going to trade Horner and we're going to trade wisdom. I don't think they'll trade wisdom, but eh, they might like, they could package some of these younger guys and say, all right, trade them out, get an outfielder, get an arm or something like that. And then bring in Correa. The problem is though, is I would probably rather just get a few other pieces too. I, I agree with you from a standpoint of just what makes the most sense. If I'm building a team, I mean, this rotation is not going to work. This still no, isn't going to work, right? They added Steven Brault recently too. that this this is not a rotation. Stroman, Hendricks, Miley, Mills, Brault. I, I don't care about work. how good you could potentially make the the offense isn't even that good yet. I don't care what you can do. You just can't. You just can't roll with this rotation. So I, I understand that hesitation, and I think there's a chance that you know they might you know potentially go another direction. I almost think though you have to make the other pickups that you're going to make. Because you don't know if Correa is going to end up signing with you. And then if you go, if you put all your eggs in one basket on Correa and then everybody else already signs. And by the time you find out Correa doesn't want to go to you, ultimately, now there's nobody left. So they could just be scooping up some of these pieces. VR can play all over the infield and the outfield. So I think they could justify it. I agree with the Simmons thing because he's literally a shortstop and pretty much doesn't play any other position. But I think with VR, they're like, okay, we just need bats. And this guy can play all over. He played third last year. He played shortstop. He played second. I watched him play center field for the Marlins. It was horrible, but I mean, he did it. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, he's a good utility piece for them, a super utility guy. And, uh, but I do wonder, I do wonder how in on Correa they are at this point. I think it's a very valid question to have. For example, if they sign Carlos Correa and do nothing else, they don't add to the starting rotation or anything. They just sign Carlos Correa and they put out this team. How many games are they winning? I don't see them winning over 80. We're cribbing the over every single time, I think. Every game, I'm taking the over for the Cubs. If, if they Honestly. sign Correa and no arms, yeah, they're not, they're not a good team. It, they're not a good team. I mean, they're better. They're more watchable. And yep. it's, it's a better product. And Cubs Absolutely. fans have a reason to go to the ballpark, which is great which is great. But if we're talking about competing, that team still has a lot of problems and look, their farm system, they don't have that many arms knocking on the door. So yeah, I don't, I don't really see how they can continue to go towards this season without a pitcher, uh, without adding another pitcher or two. I, it just doesn't really look like they have anybody that's going to come up and help them anytime soon, other than Caleb Killian, who still needs some more time. I, I don't really understand how they could not add arms at this point. Like they've got to do something else. They are the third best team in their division. And that division is arguably the worst in the entire sport. And if the reds hadn't gone on a fire sale and it's not, I wouldn't call it a fire sale. They're the retooling or rebuilding, whatever Bob Castasell, the team wants to portray it as, but they're trading away some of their best players. That's the fact of the situation. They're worse. They're worse. They're worse. Like <laughs> maybe, I, and and I wonder if they don't trade anyone else away. Like let's say they keep Castillo, they keep Mali or Molly, they keep Votto, they keep all these guys. Are they that much still worse than the Chicago Cubs? I don't know. Yeah, and I, you know, the the Cubs. I think look at it though, where they're saying, okay, the, these teams, you know, the Reds are are retooling. Whatever it is, they're going to be worse this year. I think long term they could be really good, but this year they're going to be worse. Uh, so I think they see it as a little bit more wide open than, than they thought it would be. And let's like, let's expedite this whole thing, but you can't just build through free agency. So it's going to be interesting to see how they decide to acquire arms. That being said, maybe they go and trade an Nico Horner or somebody else and, and go get that arm. Uh, I know Cubs fans really like Nico Horner and some of those other pieces, but they also have some prospects too, that you know they could part with they, from the trades that they made during the season. They got some good pieces. They could potentially part with some prospects to go get an arm. The, the other thing I was thinking about, Pete, is with the Braves. Could Correa go to the Braves? I, I've seen, I've read a little bit about some rumors there. The only reason, I don't think it's going to happen, but the only reason why I think there's a just maybe, maybe minute possibility is they just cashed in, I think, on one of the best value deals we've seen in a while on Matt Olson. They have 
pretty much two of the best contracts you're going to find out there as well with Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna. Um, they don't really have anybody else that's super expensive in the short term. Austin Riley's under control. Ian Anderson's under control. What if AA just says, fuck it, and, and they do it? I, I, I was surprised to see them not throw money at Freeman. They got the value deal here with Olsen. What if they just throw money? at Carlos Correa. I haven't seen much about it, but I wouldn't totally rule it out with the, with the pressure that the Mets are putting on the NL East right now. We're seeing the Phillies act. We're seeing the Phillies feel the pressure a little bit. Are but the Braves going to feel the pressure? But we saw the Braves act, right? Resigned yeah. Eddie Rosario, got Matt Olson to replace Freddie Freeman. This team's coming off a World Series ring. Are they better? How much better I, are they? I think they're at least the same. Or not worse, I would say. Like, their rotation is still really strong. They added Colin McHugh to that already elite bullpen. They have Dansby Swanson at shortstop, who I use as a The definition to, of average. I use as a meter to evaluate other shortstops. This is what I put out on Twitter. If your shortstop is worse than Dansby Swanson, he's below average. Yes, if he's yeah. above Dansby Swanson, he's above average. I agree. But there is value to an average shortstop yeah, because of the shortstop position is so loaded. And, you know, being called an average shortstop being, versus being called an average player is not the same thing. Dansby Swanson is not an average player. He's an above average player, but at shortstop, when you're comparing at the best players at, at in the entire sport, he, he grades as average at that position. Do I think they're going to move off Dansby Swanson give Carlos Correa 300, 350 plus million. I just don't see it because there's no precedent for the Braves giving out $300 million contracts. I mean, you said it yourself that the Kings of value, they get Acuna for a hundred million. They get Alves for 35 million. They get Matt Olson for 168 million. Where's the $200 million contract rather than the $300 million contract. I, I agree. I, I, here's the thing though. You sign, you sign Correa. Now you dump Swanson. That's 10 million off the books. Uh, you have Marcelo Zuna in a couple years. I think he's got two more years left on his deal, but they didn't have to pay him during his suspension. I'm pretty sure. Uh, whenever he, whenever, whatever his deal is, I think he's going to end up playing, but they're not going to pay him during, I guess the rest of his suspension. What did he get? 20 games, which is ridiculous. Um, but whatever that is, he's going to come off the books in the next year or two Duval as well. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it happens ultimately. But what other teams are there? Who else is getting Carlos Correa? Like that's that's why I'm trying to find one that like makes any sense. And, and that's the only one I could really find. And we're going to talk about it in a little bit. But let's talk about another really exciting player. Corey Dickerson signed with the Cardinals. <laughs> I don't I don't get that one honestly. I really don't. Fourth uh, outfield depth piece, I guess. He's not I, good on defense. Uh he's he's a good bat. Uh, but th they have a lot of really good bat. Like, is he better than Lars Newtbar? I don't. I don't know. I don't I think so. Not. Lars Newtbar is a better athlete. I think he's and a little more, bit more dynamic and cooler and a better name. Uh, Way better name. Corey Dickerson yeah. versus Lars Newtbar. It's not even close. Great name versus a twenty grade name. Yeah, Corey Dickerson versus Lars Newtbar. It's not even close not on even the name close. value. It's not even close on name value. Fans will like Lars more. I, I nothing against Corey Dickerson. Like he was. By all means, a, a good dude. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't really see it. I guess it's just another depth piece for them and a lefty bat, I guess. I will say Ryan Fickelstein wrote it up. I'm on our MLB free agency thread, which you guys have to follow along on JustBaseball.com. It's updated through every move, a little bit of analysis as well as, of course, posting the move. Cardinals are really right-handed dominant. That's what I was going to no, say. That's yeah. the thing. They needed a lefty bat. I could see him playing some DH for them. Yeah, like that's realistically what I could see because when on he can be a valuable. Oh, no, he's he when he's hot, when he's rolling, I mean, he can swing. He can swing. He's a tough guy to strike out, uh, especially against righties. He's really darn good. Uh, he, he's just a finicky hitter that's very dependent on environment. And there, there's a lot of moving parts there. But, yeah, they, they needed a lefty bat. I mean, you look at their starting lineup. Really, they didn't have one period. Um, I, I really thought that Lars Newbar was going to be that guy. That's why it surprised me, but I guess they wanted to just have a backup plan in case Newbar wasn't able to rise to the occasion. I mean, we saw him for 58 games last year. He put up a 101 WRC plus, which is good for a rookie. Uh, but at the end of the day, if he struggles there, they'd have no plan B, no other prospects that are really close that can swing it from the left side. 
uh, other than Nolan Gorman, who, you know, isn't going to play the outfield anyways. And you know, we don't know if he's going to be able to come in and contribute either. So I, I get it from that standpoint. Uh, but again, now, now this Cardinals team has a lot of bats. They got a lot oh, of bats. Yeah. If that's, if that's your bench bat, you're in great shape. Corey Dickerson is a great left-handed bat off the bench that you spot start here and there. I mean, that is a great guy to add there. Yeah, if you're if you're planning on having Corey Dickerson be your starting left fielder, starting right fielder opening day, we'd say that's lunacy and like your team is destined to fail. But yeah, maybe that's a little bit too harsh. But harsh. if he's a bench bat, yeah, it's a little harsh. If he's a bench bat, I think it's a good that's signing. That's a great for bench bat. It's a great bench bat. Uh, he's a veteran. He, he's been around the block. He, the guy was an all star. I mean, he, he can swing it. And and yeah, I like him. I like him as a bench bat. That's that's a good piece there. So another guy who could be used as a bench bat, but will most likely, you know, he could possibly start at second, could start at third. Josh Josh Young went down with the injury, so they signed a backup infielder. That's Brad Miller with the Rangers. Two-year, $10 million contract. Brad Miller's your guy. Why do you like Brad Miller so much? I don't know. There's something about his swing that is just, like, electric to me. I don't know. It's like he's old school, no batting gloves, like very, very simple setup. And just the when he gets into one, it's just very sexy. I, I just I'm a big fan of Brad Miller. He's just a auto generated name. He was a top overall pick, one of the most hyped up guys when he was drafted. And then everyone was like, bust, 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 like just just ripping him. And he's all of a sudden has carved out a nice career for himself. Uh, and I think he's like a 110 WRC plus guy, if I'm not mistaken. He can play all over the freaking diamond, like all oh, yeah. over. A great, another great bench, left-handed bench bat that if you are in a situation where you have to play him 400 plate appearances, you're not screwed, right? Like I always use the Marlins example of they were rolling Joe panic out there for 300 plate appearances. They're screwed. You're getting negative production there. Brad Miller, if you're in a pinch and you got to roll him out, like that guy's going to give you at the worst league average production and an ability to play all over the infield or outfield. He played six positions last year. Yeah. He played left field. He played right field. He played third base. He played second base. He played first base. I guess that's only five positions. He didn't play center field. He didn't pay, play catcher and he didn't play shorts up. And of course he didn't end up pitching for them, but he did hit 20 home runs playing all over the diamond yeah. two years, $10 million. He's going to earn 6 million next year, 4 million in 2023. Another solid signing for the Rangers. I, I love it. I love it. And and especially with the uncertainty, like you mentioned with Josh Young, I love it. And, and again, they're a team that made some big additions, but still has some question marks. Like what are they going to get out of uh, Cole Calhoun in right field? Is he going to be healthy? What do they get out of Nick Solak and left? Like if some of these guys are struggling, you can slot them into one of those spots. Uh, even Nate Lowe. I, I like Nathaniel Lowe and I know it goes by Nathaniel now, uh, but that's a guy too that gets blown up by lefties a little bit. Like if some of these guys are being inconsistent, you've got an opportunity to kind of roam Miller around. But in the meantime, I think he's going to be, it's going to be a competition between him and Andy Abanez at third base. And I could see those two guys platooning a little bit. And that's not bad to hold you over in the meantime. Not bad to hold you over in the meantime, but a guy that the Dodgers decided, Hey, we're going to hold him in the meantime until Max Muncie is healthy. Oh my God. arm. <laughs> The Dodgers signed Freddie freaking Freeman. It was the fear, to right? A six year, $162 million deal. It makes sense. Freddie Freeman is from Southern California. The Dodgers have been on the forefront of this. We put him as the number one team that if the Braves aren't going to get him, the Dodgers are going to get him. And they got their guy to pair with Max Muncy at second base. Now, the only thing is what's going to happen with Gavin Lux, but the Dodgers know that they have a perennial 300 hitter and one of the best locker room clubhouse guys. You got an MVP, you got a world series champion. The Dodgers are looking a lot like the death star right now. Are we sure he's going to start over? uh, Are we sure that he's going to start over Jake Lamb? Not sure yet. Because they also they added Jake Lamb on, on March 14th. And Jake Lamb was supposed to be sick. And he might put it together. No, but Freddie, Freddie Freeman is, is, I mean, dude. Uh, from the Brave standpoint, we've explained it. It makes sense from their standpoint, like what they did. Uh, cut, cutthroat decision. But from the Dodgers standpoint, you're getting a, one of the best offensive players in baseball, right? For what is still a pretty cheap deal relative to, to what you're getting production wise. I know he's a first baseman, but 
I mean, man, is this going to be one of the best offenses we've seen since maybe the you know murderers row Yankees type? Like this is this is a crazy team that I mean, just listen to this, Peter. Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Justin Turner, Max Muncie, Will Smith, Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger, AJ Pollock. And then off the bench, you've got Gavin Lux, Matt Beatty. Uh, I mean, like it's it's just stupid at that point. And then you also have Jake Lamb off the bench. This team is is just insane. And I could see them honestly making another move or two. Ryan Noda as well, non-roster invitee. Look out for him. He is he's a masher. They've just got so many guys, and they've got some prospects that are knocking on the door too. Michael Bush is another one that can really swing it. I'm expecting them to, to make some moves. And then whatever they get out of Edwin Rios as well, he's going to be healthy and he'll be ready to go. I want to see a couple more arms added here, probably, especially in that bullpen. But overall, I mean, this is one of the scariest teams we've ever seen. I think it depending on the Trevor Bauer situation, because Trevor Bauer, his extended leave has been extended again mm-hmm. to, uh, if I'm not mistaken, April 16th is the day that it has been extended to. And we don't even just, know. I, we don't even know if yeah. the Dodgers want him back. Right. I don't so, like, know that's if the Dodgers thing. want him back. I think we have to assume that he's not going to pitch this year. I think but, that's the safest, or at least for the Dodgers. The safest assumption is that he's not pitching for the Dodgers. Um, and if I, he does, he does. But I don't think it's happening. And so I said that the Dodgers have a top five rotation. They have a top five bullpen, and they have a top five farm system to go along with this offense. And the rotation, maybe you could say it's not top five right now with Walker Bueller, Julio Arias, and then Clayton Kershaw. It's a pretty good strong three. And then they add Dustin May, probably May, June time. That's I think you can make the argument that's the best four in the entire sport. And then you put Tony Gonsolin or Andrew Heaney at the end of it. David Price is a swingman, another phenomenal rotation. And then you got Blake trying and throwing 102 mile an hour turbo sinkers. You got, of course, Bruce Argrattle doing the same exact thing. Alex Vessia back there. They're, they are the cream of the crop. They are the best team in baseball. They are the smartest. They spend the most money. They're exactly what every team in baseball, what every fan wishes their team looked like. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But I will say this. Okay. Clayton Kershaw is, we don't know if he's going to be healthy, right? I mean, like this guy had elbow issues last year, was shut down. If Clayton Kershaw goes down, now you're leaning on a Dustin May to come back. We don't know when he's going to come back. He's going to have to get built up. If Kershaw goes down, we're waiting on May. You're really leaning on Heaney and Gonsolin. Gonsolin has injury issues of his own. And Heaney was horrible last year in the second half, but we know that the metrics point towards a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of better days ahead. And I think Heaney should be fine. But yeah, there's a scenario where the, where the rotation is a little bit thin, which is interesting. I think the Dodgers won't let that happen. That's why I just don't know if they're done. Like, is David Price now your five? Are, are you how bad of a situation is David Price as your five? Like, th- this is where things get a bit interesting for me. But then again, you look at David Price, and he had a four ERA last year, 4.03 and a 4.23 FIP. So he was like, fine. He was fine. Um, I, I do have my question though on that rotation. I'd like to see another one of the, like, I would have liked to see them get Matt Boyd. Like, I would like to see them make one of those signings, and I'd feel a lot Great. better. That's not going to be a, a reason why I'm going to say the Dodgers aren't the best team in baseball. They're the best team in baseball. They could easily win a hundred something games. Like it's going to be nuts. I think they could win. I like what you're doing. You're trying trying to poke a hole because there could possibly be a hole. Like let's say Kershaw doesn't stay healthy and Heaney is still the five, five ERA, you know, instead of the, you know, expected stats, they never kick in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Tony Gonsolin never really develops, but. I think Tony Gonsolin probably will develop. I don't love him as an arm, but as a back end guy, filler to eat innings, he's great. And then Heaney, of course, I just think, and you know, the Dodgers, they lost Corey Seager. They lost Max Scherzer and they basically kind of replaced Freddie Freeman or they replaced Corey Seager with Freddie Freeman, you know, offensively, not that far off from each other. Into, yeah, no, that's the thing. Numbers, but Corey Seager did play 95 games last year. So there is that. Yeah, no, that's the thing I was going to say, though, too, is like everyone's like, oh, my gosh, this Dodgers team is crazy. Yes, Seager only played 95. But like when Seager was was playing with that whole squad, it's about the same. Right. Like The production you're going to get from Freddie Freeman is pretty similar to what you would get from Corey Seager. So I think the lineup 
could loosely be similar, but here's the thing. Mookie Betts is not going to play the way he did last year. He's going to be a lot better. And Mookie Betts was good last year. Mookie Betts is going to be great this year. I think Cody Bellinger is going to be better this year. I think, you know, the only guy that I think might take a step back is AJ Pollock as he continues to, to age a little bit and he'll be. But maybe not. because Maybe not. No, he could be. Totally, <laughs> they don't need him to do that much, right? But like, He's the nine hitter. Yeah. And Max Muncy, how does he look when he comes back from, from injury? I think he'll be fine. Justin Turner, how does he age at 37? But Universal DH, though, he's going to rake. I mean, all these guys, like, and Will Smith's going to take a step forward most likely again. Yeah, like, so it's kind of like everything kind of evens out. Everything kind of evens out. Um, and, and I think a big X factor, though, is Gavin Lux. You know, what, what is Gavin Lux going to look like? Because you talk about the Universal DH. Lux is going to be a roamer. He's going to play all over the infield. He's going to play potentially in the outfield as well. They're going to want to give Pollock days off. They're going to want to give Turner, Justin Turner days off. They need Gavin Lux to enable them to do that, right? Like you got to have the confidence that, hey, we can give Gavin Lux three starts a week and it's not going to be a devastating drop-off in production from our starters. If Gavin Lux can provide that, this team is, is absolutely terrifying. The thing is, I don't think Gavin Lux will be a Dodger anymore. I think he's going to be packaged with a prospect for a pitcher. I just don't know which pitcher because you signed Freddie Freeman. Now you have Max Muncy and you of course still have Chris Taylor being your roamer. Who's the best probably roamer in the entire sport. So I, I don't even know where Gavin Lux is going to play. Like he doesn't really slot in the outfield. He hasn't proved that he can play defense out here. The bat hasn't shown through where it's like, oh, you have to give him play appearances. Like he's had to prove it. And so far he hasn't proved it. And when you're the Los Angeles Dodgers, they don't screw around. They'll just flip him and then go get a four or a three in the rotation. So I don't even think Gavin Lux will be a Dodger come opening day. Well, how much does Taylor? So here's, here's my, th- I think that's a, a fair point, but how much does Taylor Rome now if if Muncie is the DH potentially Taylor plays second you have Bellinger in center Pollock in left Betts in right then at that point you know is Taylor roaming as much anymore or is he manning second base more frequently and then when you give the day off to, to Pollock then maybe that's where Taylor slides to the outfield and you have Lux slide into a second base spot the well, only Muncy. reason why I think the Dodgers would have optimism in Lux is that he absolutely stinks against lefties. Like he's atrocious (laughs) against lefties, but you can deploy him only in really right-handed situations, right? Like only against right-handed pitchers. And he was good against right-handed pitchers last year. Like I'm pulling up the splits right now against righties. Yeah. He put up a 104 WRC plus 260, 343, 404. If he takes another step up, you know, he should be a really, really good player there. Against lefties, 54 WRC plus at 188, 286, 247. He's not competitive. You can't even put him out there if he's if he's giving you that. So I wonder if they're just deploying him against righties. But if, if, if a team still values him as like that same value of a top 100 guy, because at the end of the day, he is still just 24 years old, which is wild, and like a young 24 I mean, there could be a scenario where you're packaging him for a good arm. And, and I don't think the Dodgers will feel that like they're missing something uh, by trading him away. So I could see either either happening 100%. Nothing would surprise me. Let's switch from the best team to the team that we have no idea what they are doing. The Colorado Rockies signed Chris Bryant to a seven-year, $182 million deal. I let off yesterday's podcast with a minute blurb just telling you guys hey he signed with the Rockies we're going to analyze it on Friday and so I came back and I looked up more of it obviously they've changed general managers right this is a new regime the old general manager who traded away Nolan Arenado is not the same general manager who signed Chris Bryant my thing is you had the best tweet in the world to follow that up. <laughs> and I'm just going to leave it to you. Like they get Chris Bryant. And then what, like, what are you doing? You're in a division where you're easily the fourth best team in it. Maybe even the fifth, if the diamondbacks rookie outfield prospects really show up this year, like what's going yeah. on. <laughs> it's I, I told, I told you guys. And then the staff chat, I'm so in on the Rockies this year. Like this is something I'm not going to let go the whole year. I'm fully <laughs> in on the, cause they are a, like, I always say, so Jeff Conine on outside the box with Jeff Conine, every time we're on the podcast here, he always says at the end of the day, we're entertainers. And I like, we forget that a lot. 
But like they are at the end of the day, like it's entertainment. The Rockies are freaking entertainers. Like this is a stand-up comedy show. Like I don't even know what they're doing. Like listen to this lineup, dude. Ryan Miltapia, Chris Bryant, Charlie Blackman, CJ Crone, Ryan McMahon, Brandon Rogers, Sam Hilliard, Elias Diaz, and Jose Iglesias. And the funniest thing too is they're still in on Albert Pujols. If they get Albert Pujols, I'm buying season tickets. I, I, I don't know. I'm buying a package. We're flying out there like once every couple of weeks and we're going to these games because this team is, is hilarious. They also added Chad Cool. So now they have a rotation of Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland, Antonio Sensatella, Austin Gomber, and Chad Cool. And then they went out and got Alex Colome, which is hilarious. Daniel Bard retired for like four years, came back, throws 100. <laughs> He's in their bullpen. Julius Chassin, remember that dude? He's yeah. on their squad. I thought he retired. Although that is on their team. I, I, they might bring <laughs> him back. If they do, I, I want them to just clown at this point, just clown. But my tweet for those who might not be on Twitter, I was saying like, this fills a really important need for the Rockies. Now all they need is five bats, a few arms, some bullpen arms, and uh, a, a better farm system. Um, and I mean, it's like kind of true. Like, What was the point? And I'm never going to shame teams for spending. I don't want this to be mistaken as us shaming them. We're here for it. We're just having fun with it because it doesn't make any freaking sense. Like I, I like teams that suck spending money and putting a good product on the field. It's good for the game. Right. And they're, this product is better with Chris Bryant, right? It's a more watchable team with Chris Bryant on it, but what are they doing? Like at that point, it's just like, why are you spending $180 million for your team to still suck? Uh, Here's an, here's an example. Here's an example. I'm not going to clown the Nolan Arenado deal. I won't. All right. Different GM. That was his problem. Moving over new GM. All right. New GM. Why don't you resign Trevor story? Huh? Why are you not in on Trevor Story? Like, are you going for it or are you not going for it? Is Trevor Story not valuable to you anymore? But Chris Bryant is now. What what's going on? I I've tried. I've looked up sources. I've read articles. You know, we even have articles on JustBaseball.com about it. I even wrote an article that's available now on JustBaseball.com, making the case for Chris Bryant to win the MVP. Not that he will win the MVP, but that plus 4,000 is great odds. And that plus 2,000 compared to where he is, you know, with Starling Marte and JT Real Muto and Paul Goldschmidt, just like he's around that. Could that be a good value play? Of course, he could hit 340 bombs in Colorado and they win 80 games. And like there's precedent because Larry Walker was the last Colorado Rocky to win the MVP. And like he hit 330 with 49 bombs and the Rockies finished 83 and 79 that year. So you don't need a winner in Colorado to win the MVP. But regardless, what's happening? I mean, if you're not going to sign Trevor Story, then what are we doing? Well, and also like Jose Iglesias. Do, do we know how? Do, do they know how bad he was in the second half last year? He never hit in his entire career, except for that 2020 season where, as the kids would call him, he was a Babbitt merchant. Uh, <laughs> you know, and he everything he hit went through, and it was a shortened season, so he was able to just live it. I, like I mean, it. <laughs> this this guy like he was not good in the second half. He was even worse over the last couple months. I think he hit 193 in August. I think he finished strong over the last couple weeks, but like. I don't understand. Maybe they're thinking that, okay, this guy never hits. He's a good defender. And now in cores, he'll be an average offensive player with good defense, but they don't, they need, they need guys that can rake like Chris Bryant. Uh, I am very excited about Brendan Rogers. I know we talk about CJ Crone from like a fantasy standpoint is great. I mean, the guy produces, he's, he's built for uh course field because of the ability to make contact. I think Bryant's going to be similar as well. Rhino Tapia is fine. I still think they need Rumble one more came. outfield bat. They need one more outfield bat pretty bad. Their infield looks pretty good. Their the infield's not the worst thing. No, it's, it's pretty good. It's not, it's not the worst Rogers. thing. Charlie Blackman's still fine. I, uh, I don't love him. The, he's on the end, and he's a terrible defender. Yeah, I the think they're worst by outs ab- The worst by outs above average in the entire sport in right field. Like, yeah, bad, yeah, bad, 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 bad. But he's going to play a lot of DH for them. I just... What seventy eight wins? Like what? I mean, yeah. are they like? Do they finish with a better record than the, than the Chicago Cubs? Well, what I think ends up happening is Connor Joe ends up taking over in the outfield, and 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 Connor Joe is pretty good. It is good. That, that's a great question. Do they finish with more wins than the Chicago Cubs? This rotation, man, is not that far off from the better. <laughs> it's better. It's better. It than might the Cubs be thing. better. Like Herman Marquez is 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 great. 
Um, and, and everyone's going to look at the ERA and be like, oh, well, the, their ERAs are all in the fives. If you put all the, if you put the Cubs rotation at cores, I, geez, besides Stroman, it would be so bad. Herman Marquez is a top 20 pitcher if he's not at course. I agree. Freeland has had stints where he is phenomenal. Uh, Senzatella is, yeah, is I, really good there, too. And Freeland was back to his form kind of over the last two years, I thought. I mean, especially last season, I thought he looked really solid. Um, so Gomber's he, solid. Gomber's good. I, I've always I, – I always said that was the only good piece they got out of that deal. Alaris Montero is all right. Gomber can pitch. Gomber can pitch. That rotation is right there with the Cubs. I, I, I'm I'm sorry. I think it is. Uh, and I know talking about the goal. Jack's yeah, no, gonna sorry, Jack's gonna rip us for that. But like <laughs> it, Alec Mills, dude. Like I, I'm sorry. I, I agree. And and you were talking about Austin Gomber deal. That's the that's one of the prospects that the Rockies got in the Nolan Arenado deal that they also gave fifty million dollars to. But we're not going to compare that. Different GMs. But then all right. Same GM. What's wrong with Trevor's story? But we're not going to be able to solve the Rockies on this podcast, and we'll probably never be able to solve the Rockies as many podcasts as we do. But we're going to keep trying because it's so incredibly interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it every night. I've got a whole <laughs> board. I've got lines connected. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out what they're doing over and there. We're gonna try and to solve the Cubs too. What they're doing? I, I don't know what they're doing either. I mean, I, I just I. Frankly, so don't for, I ask you this and I, and I want to leave this open to the listeners as well. You can you can tweet at us at the just baseball account or at my personal Twitter or at Peter's whose jersey should I buy? Because I am fully in on the Rockies. Who should I buy? Which jersey should I buy for the Colorado Rockies? Because I'm not a jersey guy, except if it's for a bit and I'm all in on this bit. I love the Rockies. Whose jersey am I getting? Don't say Chris Bryant. That's lame as shit. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm in. But not somebody that's going to be gone after a year. Like, can yeah, we find a little thing. bit of a balance here? Let me know. For the most, the most replies we get, whoever comes up the most, I'll take that jersey. I'm leaning at the moment. I'm thinking CJ Crone, but dude, you I have could, to get a jersey that just says Joe on the back. Yeah, kid Joe. Joe just says Joe. <laughs> That's that's I feel like that might end up being the favorite, but I'm looking forward to anybody replying with any any choices there because I am I'm on I'm, I'm looking at the, the free agent market right now for Rockies uh, jerseys. All right. Time to speculate. Let's talk Carlos Correa and let's bring the Orioles back into this into the discussion, the which fuck? is a crazy sentence. I just say I just said I just said let's talk Carlos Correa and bring the Orioles into the conversation. Do you know why Aram? No, they offered Carlos Correa. This is reported a 10 year, $300 million deal. Wow. That's what they offered to Carlos Correa. Can you believe it? No. Because no. if you look at the Orioles, if you look at the Orioles, they are a team that, I mean, you could tell me shortstop prospects, not a ton everywhere else, tons of prospects. They want to be really good. They don't really have anybody on the payroll. But then my thinking is, how's their last big signing gone with Chris Davis? I mean, oh. But but I, I love the Orioles for doing it. Even the Rays offered Freddie Freeman that type of contract too. But the Baltimore Orioles are now in on Carlos Correa. Thoughts? I You know, I almost wonder if they just knew that, the, that Correa wouldn't take 300. And they just wanted everybody to see like, oh, yeah, we tried. We, we almost we almost got Correa. We went for it. Like, I just I don't understand what the angle would be here. I, here here's one thing. I, I could talk myself into it making some sense from this standpoint. You talk about the prospects that are that are on the cusp. Unfortunately, Adley Rutschman's season is going to be the start for him is going to be delayed at like a few weeks, maybe a month maximum with an injury, but he'll, he'll be fine. So you have Cedric Mullins, who I, I still think a trade is, is incredibly unlikely. So you have Cedric Mullins in center field, who, who we think, you know, could be one of the better outfielders in the game. If he continues to, Absolutely. we all love Ryan Mountcastle here at just baseball. He can swing it. Trey Mancini is a good player. Santander is good. I mean, I just named four young besides Mancini, who's 30, like young, good players. Uh, of course, Adley on the way, Grayson Rodriguez on the way, uh, some other prospects that aren't too far off. The rotation is just paper thin, though. I yeah. mean, Peter, listen to this. John Means, who is a good arm, but Developing. John Means, Jordan Lyles, Bruce Zimmerman, Keegan Aiken, and Zach Lothar. That's, well, first of all, first of all, that's four lefties. 
that can't be the rotation, right? Like who, who, who are we missing here? There's a possibility you just named after John means you just named the four leaders in ERA, except the opposite way. Yes. Like this is an atrocious rotation. And I guess they're looking at it and they're saying, okay, but yeah, we're signing him to a 10 year deal. So we'll be good in a few years. Okay. I guess. I mean, the offense, I can see that. I mean, that you add Correa to this offense. Austin Hayes was even good last year. You add Correa to this offense. This team is 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 actually a, it's a good offensive team. I'd put them right in the middle of the pack. Good I mean, offensive team. It's a good offensive team. And with more prospects on the way that aren't far off. Overs. Overs. Overs for sure. Overs. But what's your plan pitching wise? You add G Rod in there. And they have a deal hall, you hope, maybe. But I guess they're playing the long game there and they're saying, we'll sign Correa to a 10 year deal. And, and Correa said himself though, didn't he, that I'm okay. With like waiting out a rebuild. So that's the only way that I could justify it is they, they, they're giving themselves two to three years to piece together the rotation from that standpoint. I guess I get it because Mullins is controllable. Mount Castle is controllable. Santander is controllable. They could extend Mantini for cheap. Hayes is controllable. And then the other prospects would obviously be controllable. So I get it from that standpoint. But if you're at 300, then you might as well fork up another 20 or 30 and just do it. That's what I'm saying, dude. Think about it. Like who this and the reason why I bring this up and we have to bring it up, but this is the biggest deal that's been offered to Carlos Correa so far, at least reported. Tigers offered him 10 for 275. Yankees, I guess, were under that $300 million threshold. And now the Orioles are at 10 for 300. I but this is just what makes me think he's going to return to the Astros on a one year deal. I think Scott Boris is going to be like, okay, you want to take this 10-year deal with the Orioles? Go ahead. Or what we can do, and I was speculating this with Jack, and I think we were speculating with it too, if he signs a one-year deal with the Houston Astros, because Boris, of course, and we've talked about this on multiple pods, the switching of the agents, Boris won't get his big agent cut, might convince Carlos Gray to take a one-year, $45, $50 million deal with the Astros, and then, you know who's a free agent next year? Trey Turner. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we talked about Carlo, that. Yeah. The old Graham, flip-flop. Um, a Dodger. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what this, of course, again, speculation, but that's just what it feels like is going to happen. He's going to re-sign with the Astros. You know, all the buzz in Houston is that he's coming back. He wants to be back. I know he loved Houston. They loved him. Dusty Baker was even saying that he loved to have Correa back. The whole team would, too. That's just what it seems like is going to happen. And then he's going to sign with the Death Star. Well, if they give, if the Astros get a window here, you know, to on a one year, I think they'll, they'll go crazy. They'll go crazy. Average annual value. They'll go nuts. One last thing on the, on the Orioles point, I think they feel really bullish about their, their offensive potential because we talk about Adley is like Adley could be Adley as MVP upside, right? So if Adley is an all-star catcher for you too, Grayson Rodriguez, you know how I feel. I think he's an ace. They probably feel like, okay, we just need to add a couple arms and and we're okay. Uh, and again, a DL Hall is, is special. And they've got a lot of assets there with that system. The more we just kind of have this conversation, the more I kind of lead myself to I, – I understand a little bit what their, what their perspective is here. If they do that, I want to see them start to be a little bit more aggressive, though. Don't be afraid to, to trade a couple of these prospects for another arm. Uh, or trade some of your hitting prospects for some pitching prospects, like go prospect for prospect deal. The the way the Marlins did Zach Allen for Jazz Chisholm, right? Like that's a that was a situation where the D-backs really needed an arm, and they did that. Like I could see the Orioles doing something along those lines. I would love it would be so good for baseball if Carlos Correa went to the Orioles. We're we're seeing small market teams, or uh, you know teams that have been bad, add these star players. It's, it's, it's galvanizing. I would love to see that happen. I just can't, still can't believe the Orioles did this. This is a team that was two years ago asking players to defer their $4 million contracts over a couple of years so that they didn't have to pay them because money was so tough. Oh, oh no. I don't understand what's happening. Oh no. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about another shortstop who has been garnering a little bit of buzz, but not a ton of buzz. Trevor Story, the Red Sox have checked in. Now that they lost out on Freddie Freeman, they are now one of the heavy pursuers for Trevor Story. We know that the Twins are one of the heavy pursuers. We've heard the Angels. We've heard the Phillies. We've heard possibly the Cardinals. 
I have no idea where he's going. If if you put a gun to my head, I'm telling you the twins because it seems like the twins just make all the sense in the world there. I love you know, the, I love them to the twins doing. But the Red Sox have checked in. But remember where we were speculating there was a team that offered him a nine figure deal that he turned down because they asked him to switch positions. And I told you, I thought that might've been the Red Sox. I don't know if this is the Red Sox re-engaging saying possibly now that we didn't get Freddie Freeman, we're kind of going to do whatever Trevor's story says, or if this is the first time checking in on him, I'm, I'm kind of unsure, but it is clear that the Red Sox are in on Trevor's story. You know how much better this, and I know Red Sox fans will, I'd probably push back on this. Or maybe not. I don't know. I know Colby wouldn't push back on this. Do you know how much better, the Red Sox are with Xander Bogarts playing like second base. I know. And, and Trevor Story playing short. Not only Wait, just because they add Trevor Story, that if Trevor Story is a slightly above average defender, the improvement from Bogarts, who is well below average to slightly above average, and then adding the production, because right now, who's your second baseman? Christian Arroyo? No. I mean, yes, but no, (laughs) like shouldn't be. So you're, you're replacing Christian Arroyo's offensive production. We're replacing Arroyo. He was okay. He's okay, but he's not a starting second baseman for like a world series team. Yeah. He's just not. And, and you're replacing Xander Bogart's defense with, with, I, you know, I know story struggled last year a little bit, but like presumably above average defense. I, I just think it's, it's right there. We just saw the freaking Braves tell Freddie Freeman to pack his bags for a baseball move. You don't need to tell Xander Bogarts to pack his bags. You just have to tell him to move across the infield and it will make things 10 times better. And I know people are like, well, Bogarts isn't a bad defender. He is very smooth with it. He's got great hands. His range is terrible. terrible. That's where, it, that's, that's where it's really problem. an issue. That's really the issue. And, and that's why that's it's why he deceptive doesn't rate well in these defensive stats. Cause his no, range and he doesn't, he doesn't move. Like if you watch, he just doesn't move that well. And his arms, you know, fringy. If you put him at second, and I know this just won't happen, but that would make them so much better. And if, happen, if, though. if reluctance to move Xander from shortstop is the reason why, I mean, that's going to be the difference between the Braves and the Red Sox is <laughs> the Braves can be ruthless. Uh, and the Red Sox, you know, they might just say, Xander, you, you stay at shore. You do what you want. Um, that's fine. But there's a reason why the Red Sox have the highest uh, BABIP allowed in baseball. There's a reason. It's because that left side of the infield is a turnstile I mean, between Jose Devers and Jose Devers. Uh, Rafael Devers, that tell you I'm Jose a Marlins Devers. guy. Jesus. I'm probably going to be the only person in the history of the world to call Rafael Jose and not Jose Rafael. Um, you know, with Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts on the left side of the infield, I mean, there's a reason why so many ground balls got through last year. It's, it's, it's something that they're giving up big time right there. So let's move on to a guy who has been attached to those Marlins arm, but you just don't see it. And I know we talked about this last time, but we got another report that the Marlins are still in. So I got to ask you, have you heard anything about Nick Castellanos, possibly the Marlins? But what we do know is that the Phillies and the Padres are most likely the front runners, but the Marlins are checking in. So I want to ask you, is that for real? So the, the latest I've heard is that anything is on the table. They've, okay. they've they've circled back. And I think something that that works in the Marlins' favor is that Florida state income tax, you know, is, is not a factor. So you can, you know, if, if it's between, let's say he's thinking about going to, let's say the West Coast, in California, and he signs a $150 million deal. I don't know exactly what the percentages are, but he he's taken home another, another eight to $10 million. I, I lived in California. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Right? <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> He's taking home another good chunk of money coming to Miami. So he's a hometown kid too. He wants to play in Miami. That's something Barry Jackson wants to play in Miami. He does. He does. That's something Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald reported. That's something that, uh, you know, I've heard as well. That's something that Craig Mish has has, has confirmed as well. So, you know, I'm not saying he's going to go out here and and take a pay cut. He's a Scott Boris client, but maybe he takes the same amount or maybe he takes, you know what I'm saying? Cause he knows he's going to have that money saved in taxes. Maybe he takes a few million less. So I, I think the Marlins are doing their due diligence. I just wonder, and this might be, I always said with the Marlins fans right now, because Mar- some Marlins fans are divided on this. I think beggars can't be choosers. Agreed. With the Marlins situation though, Peter, I mean, would it concern you as an outsider? Like the outfield defense is the real concern that people have. Jesus Sanchez is young and, and pretty eh in the outfield. Then you, you would be putting Avi Garcia in center. 
and who's fast, but he, he's not a good, great defender. And then you'd put Cassianos in right, who's not a good defender. So that, that would arguably be one of the worst defensive outfields in baseball and one of the most cavernous outfields in baseball. The good news is the Marlins do have a good pitching staff that gets a lot of ground balls. But is, it, is, is that a deterrent for you? Or are you like, screw it, the Marlins need offense too badly? So I think I'm almost in the middle there. So that's where because, I'm at. Exactly. Because I think if they sign Nick Cassianos, they are a better team than yesterday. Yes, exactly. Like they are better. They're better offensively. You just signed a big-time bat, one of the big-time bats on the free agent market. But you're right, to the defense. And also, the Marlins especially are in one of the biggest ballparks in the entire sport. That's another thing. You're not in Yankee Stadium where maybe Nick Cassianos has to cover about 20 feet in right field. No, you're in Mar- Marlins Park, Lone Depot, where it's vast and it's huge he's gonna, he's gonna, gonna be running, gonna be running but right. universal dh mm-hmm. but i know you want to use garrett cooper in that spot like you want to use some of your other bats so then what happens with nick castellanos so if they sign nick castellanos tomorrow good deal I, yeah, yeah but is he the perfect fit because there are two trade pieces one in the nl central one in the al east that make way more sense that's cedric mullins for the orioles that's brian reynolds for the pirates Brian Reynolds, apparently, you know, they're asking Seattle for Julio Rodriguez. Yeah. They're asking the Marlins for everybody. Uh, they're not everyone. So it's like he's probably not going to get traded, but Cedric Mullins may be. But also Cedric Mullins has been connected to the Phillies as well. They're looking for an outfielder. Do you see the possibility of Cedric Mullins getting traded? Because Nick Castellanos, like we said, Phillies, Padres will wrap with Cedric Mullins possibly getting traded. So you I know, know you said probably not, but maybe. You no, know, I, I think there's a possibility because – I think it makes more sense for the Orioles to trade Cedric Mullins than it does for the Pirates to trade Brian Reynolds. Imagine they trade Cedric Mullins and then side grab. Like, dude, yeah. just pull a Rockies. <laughs> yeah, well, but here's the thing, though, because I, I agree that would be nuts if they did it with the Phillies. With the Marlins, it might just make sense because the Marlins can give the Orioles exactly what they freaking need, right? That Max Meyer would be in that deal, presumably, right? Absolutely. Instantly, I mean, you don't have to call him up, but he's pretty damn close to big league ready and becomes your best pitcher tomorrow. He's the race. He's the race. Hey, do not slander John Means. He's the best pitcher in baseball. No, but But it makes sense, though. Means is a great arm, but when he's raised, you're you're in trouble. But just don't, just be careful. I will. Be careful with the slander. I will tread very lightly. When, when When you, you would then have Max Meyer, you would have, Grayson Rodriguez right there too, who would be their ace once he's up. And then John means that's three legit arms that, you know, I, I really like, and, and that wouldn't just be Max Meyer, right? They'd probably get another pitcher. Maybe they maybe even get Eliezer who would slot right into the rotation as well. And then some other solid prospect pieces as well. Then you sign Correa. They have outfielders. They have outfield prospects too, that are close to big league ready. Right. I wonder because for the pirates, it makes no sense. They're so far off and, and he's under control for four years. Brian Reynolds from the Orioles standpoint, that could jumpstart this whole thing for them a little bit. I, I wonder, I wonder, I, I don't think any other team in baseball can really offer them that the Marlins have some trade history with the Orioles. I could see it. I would, I would. And that's just not, that's not just me being a Homer. If anything, I'm more of a pessimist when it comes to the Marlins. Um, I just think that that would make sense for the Orioles in this situation for the Marlins. They would have to overpay. And I think it's worth it because I would rather have Mullins than, than Cassianos. He brings you defense and center. He's he a left hand bat. He's a, he's a stud. And I just think it makes, makes way more sense. But like you said, to wrap up on the Cassianos thing, the Marlins are a better team with Cassianos. I know people are like, but the money, but the money, if they're spending money, don't worry about it. It's not you. Yeah, what? Spend money. What? And what do you not want them to when you're just waiting on pitching prospects? It's not going to be so bad. Failing. Like, exactly. No, kidding, no, no, but you're right. Like, you're right. Like, what, oh, do you want to win? What do you want to do? What do you want to do, Marlins fans? Are we just going to sit here? What do you want to do? Like, they want to wait for the perfect guy. Like, it's like the it's like the 40-year-old guy that's, like, never going to get married because no girl's good enough, but they're going to complain that they're not married. Like, it, I, you, you got to say, like... I, I love Marlon's Twitter, but what are you guys doing? You're all insane. You're all <laughs> lunatics. All of you. Don't you want to win? I don't get it. No, they're masochists. They're actual masochists. I hope they're, they're listening. They Eli, are. Tell they your are. team. <laughs> <laughs> Although the last thing I'll say is the 
funniest middle finger to Derek Jeter if they signed Nick Castellanos because oh, yeah. he was so pissed. He was so pissed that they didn't want to pay him. And oh, I would love that for the Marlins. And we make fun of each other being homer. You know, me with the Yankees, Jack with the Chicago teams, you with your Marlins. But that's not a homer thing that you're talking about. That makes a ton of sense for the Orioles, and it makes a ton of sense for the Marlins. That makes sense. I think you could also go the Phillies, of course. But that move, Orioles jump-starting their rebuild with a bunch of influx of arms. If they're going to trade Cedric Mullins, you have to get, like, all arms. It's going to yeah. be, like, four arms in the deal. Then... Orioles are cooking. They signed Correa. I still don't think. I think he's going to go to Houston. But things are coming. That's a fun team. That's a fun team. That's a fun team. And And their ETA shifts to like 2024 to be competitive. You know, like it it totally is. Their division is an absolute buzzsaw. But if if they if they you know, they could compete. So we'll see. But we're going to continue to cover all of these moves on the Just Baseball show, which you can find it on JustBaseball.com next week. Top 10 catchers is coming that's gonna be an absolute banger salvi perez number one (laughs) can you imagine tiktok i'm actually in a framing league yeah (laughs) jonah heim number two (laughs) jonah heim is is the top pick (laughs) and so we'll we'll continue to update you guys of course following on justbaseball.com get your just baseball merch which you can find in the episode link description i'm rocking my just baseball t-shirt right now arm is of course not wearing any of his own company's merch (laughs) what are you doing what are you doing they're comfortable i don't know i don't know laundry day laundry you're literally in your room you're in your room in florida (laughs) laundry (laughs) day Go get your Just Baseball merch in the episode description. Give us a follow on Twitter. We're also down there. And we're going to continue to update you guys on social, at Just Baseball Fans, of course, on Instagram and TikTok, on the website, on YouTube, everything. Anything else before we part on? I just feel like Carlos Correa is just never going to sign. Like, does it Does it feel like he he's going to pick a team? What if he goes to Japan? <laughs> just says, fuck it. A team in Japan gives him 400 just- Yes, six hundred million dollars for just, Carlos Correa just becomes a like a giant there. <laughs> I just can't wait for the Carlos Correa is a blank episode. That's yeah. my final thoughts. Carlos Correa to the Diamondbacks, and with that, thank you. <laughs>